Hello and welcome to the Record Celtic podcast. My name is Daniel Cott and I'm delighted to be joined by Record Sports' Craig Swan and the one and only Chris Sutton. Guys, how are you? Yep, I'm, I'm very well, thank you. Uh, good summer. Did you guys have a good break? Lovely break, Chris. Thank you very much. Yeah, All very good. Bit of golfing, bit of holiday in. Lovely. Yeah, it's been lovely. How about yourself, Chris? Yeah, went to Disney World and uh, and met all the big characters there. So great time, and uh, and now back to the madness. Yeah, I'm prepared for a season in Scottish football. We're going to Disney. <laughs> the jokes write themselves. Thankfully, mm, uh, it's been uh, it's been a busy summer in Scottish football. Um, lots of ins and outs at Celtic. Um, Chris Wood, it's seven signings if you include the guys that were here on loan last season turned permanent. What do you make of Celtic's business so far? Um, yeah, I, look, I, I wonder whether there's going to be one or two more in, but, um, you know, as a whole, I think, you know, it's, you go back 12, 13 months, whatever it is, you know, when Ange Postacoglu uh, took charge, it's uh, it's a lot easier this summer than last summer. It's a, it's a team in a squad who superseded expectations. I thought Ange Postacoglu's recruitment really has been first class since he's been in and now it's trying to make the team better. I think they needed uh, strengthening because, I mean, Christopher Julian's had his day. He's just not Branch Postacoglu and, you know, bringing Morris Jens in is, um, you know, that's I'm not saying it's plugged a bit of a gap, but there needs to be competition for places there. Um, you know, Stephen Welsh, who I didn't think he had his best game against Norwich City at the weekend, is, you know, is another option. And, um, and that midfield area, Callum McGregor is such an integral part of the way that uh, that Celtic play the football, gets on the half turn, his speed of passing. But if you know if if Callum gets injured, um, then you know somebody needs to step into his shoes. And I think uh, Aaron Moy uh, possibly could be that player. Um, got a really good reputation uh, down south for his performances at Huddersfield and Brighton. Has been away for a couple of seasons. Uh, I've got to say I'm no expert on. Uh, on Chinese football, but you know, he's at Shanghai Port, and uh, he's you know, Celtic would have scouted him as a player who Ange Postacoglu knows very well. Looked a bit rusty at the weekend, that has to be said. But uh, you know, if if uh, he fires and uh, Celtic would have watched him closely, then uh, I think that's a position where you know Celtic needed another body in. It doesn't look like James McCarthy's going to play much of a part in, uh, you know, in, in the big games for Celtic. Uh, you know, he's possibly had his day. Uh, so, you know, Aaron Moyes has, has come in and, and another body in an area where Celtic needed strengthening. I think that's the key, Chris. Definitely. It, the, the strengthening has been done in the areas where just about everybody thought that it needed to be done. And I think everybody realised that the competition was needed for Greg Taylor, Bernabeu, sourced and signed. The central defensive issue you touched on, Jens sourced and signed, uh, Rogic and, and, and Beton leaving, Moy's been brought in. Obviously, Matt O'Reilly and Hatati were done in January, so that was kind of sort of preempting that happening. So, the key is he's kind of filled the areas that needed to be filled, which is which is good because the you know the the, the team last year that finished the season was flying anyway. It was just a case of supplementing it rather than having to make big changes you suggested and. Um, I think we all I think we all realise, I mean, Daniel may get to this later on, but you know, already we're having discussions about well, will it be him or will it be Kyogo? Will it be Jackie Marcus who will play wide? Will it be Abada? Will it be Forrest? Will it be Jota? Will it be Meda? Will it be none of them? You very, very rarely get twenty four players fit 
of a weekend. It never happens. And it, and if ever there was an example of that, it was Celtic last season. I think the left back, uh, you know, situation at Celtic and, and, and Greg Taylor, who, you know, did a, a decent job last season. Celtic definitely needed um, strengthening in that area. Yeah. Uh, Bernabeu is interesting. Look, I, I think that, uh, you know, from his point of view, he's a young player. He's coming. He's, he's going to have to uh, get used to uh, to Ange Postecoglou's style with the inverted fullbacks. And I think he's I'm not saying he's he's uh, struggled, but he, you know he he needs to catch on quickly with the way that uh, that Celtic play. And you know, Legion Warsaw, he was a, a little bit rusty. And again at the weekend, and you know, it's it's I've got to say it's it's difficult. You know, players who play on the outside as uh, as Bernabeu would have been uh, used to playing uh, back in Argentina to then play as an inverted. Uh, fullback in in that middle area. It's a it's a different sort of awareness, which uh, which he needs. But he needs to catch on uh, quickly. And uh, looks like there'll be good competition uh, in that area. Chris, would you say the good thing as well is though that the signings this year, unlike last year, actually will have a bit of time to settle in. Last year they literally had to hit the ground running. I mean, they were basically learning on the job, whereas, you know, there's an expectation that Bernabeu has been signed for a large amount of money. He should go straight into the team. A lot of people think that, but that's not necessarily the case. I mean, Celtic don't start in the Champions League to mid-September. Greg Taylor's more than capable of holding in the position, and that will give Bernabeu a bit of time to build up. I don't, I don't think this year is a necessity necessarily for the new players to come in immediately. And I think that will be of big benefit to them. May take a bit, just a little bit of pressure off. You know, if you look at Morris Jens, for example, and compare it with the situation Carl Starfield was in last year, Starfield yeah. was basically thrown in and had to deal with it. Whereas Jens can take a bit of time if it's needed. I know Starfield's out just now. That's maybe a bad example, but you know he'll have a bit of time. Starfield will be back soon. Jens will have a bit of time to settle in here, and he, he won't be relied upon immediately in the same way as Starfield was relied upon immediately. And I think that should help some of the new yeah. guys. Yeah, no, yeah, I think that, but I, I, I think that they, you know, on on the flip side of that, they, you know, certainly need to be ready. Celtic need a fast start to this season, so you know, if they do get the opportunity, the, you know, the centre half situation, I think, is really interesting because Starfelt is out. I think that you know, there's talk of him maybe returning to uh, to training at the end of this week or, or or next week. That's you know, that that's 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 been the talk. Uh, yep. But if you're Moritz Jens, you're thinking, well, do you know what? You know, I've come into the club on loan. He had what, 16, 17 games at Lorient uh, last season. You know, there's there's an opportunity there. Starfelt was fit. Of course, he'd start the season alongside Carter Vickers. And, you know, he'll want to get games under his belt and games under his belt pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, Ange Postecoglou likes Stephen Welsh. Uh, he's worked with him for a while now and... You know, Stephen Welsh has, has proved to be, uh, you know, a, a pretty uh, OK deputy when he has been given the opportunity. Uh, I know there's talk about him what, move, moving to where? Where was he? Where was the talk? Lose, I think. To lose. Yeah. I, don't, I think, I think that, he's that very much. Sense. I don't think he'll be allowed. He won't be allowed to leave. Well, why, why, you know, what? Why, can't see why, it. Well, why would Celtic let him go? First and foremost, you know, they, they need bodies in in that position. So then yeah. you let Stephen Welsh go. I mean, they'll have to bring another body in in, in, in that position. Ange Postecoglou's worked for him, uh, with him for, for a long time now. So that, you know, wh- why would Celtic, you know, want to go into the start of the season, leaving themselves short? They, you know, And you would, like to think, you would like to think, Chris, as well, if the manager had sanctioned a move, which he obviously did for Christopher Julian to go to Germany, even though it didn't go through, 
the fact he's sanctioned it would suggest that he's gone, been gone somewhere before August is, is, is finished, I would have thought. But that's even more a reason why you would need to keep Welsh. Yeah, I mean, Christopher Julian, for whatever reason, I've, I've got to say, uh, you know, I think Christopher Julian in a Celtic jersey has had some, you know, some really big moments and, and he's been, a, you know, a good player for whatever reason. And Ange Postacoglu has seen him in training. He's not for him. We know that the way Celtic play, that, you know, the, the in many respects, the centre-halves have to be the best player because, you know, Ange Postacoglu's uh, style of play likes to overload in, you know, in the midfield and and forward areas, and that leaves the, the centre halves, um, you know, having to defend on their own at times. And you know, maybe Ange Postecoglou feels that that Christopher Julian isn't capable um, enough to do that. But he looks like you know the decision has been made uh, on him. But he can't leave himself short in that position. A lot of games. You know, early part of the season. Um, you know, the Premier Sports Cup, then the Champions League, and last season, Carter Vickers and and, and Starfelt. Uh, you know, more from Starfelt. The the longer the season went on, were so so dependable. But you know, if they get injured, then they need uh, able deput- deputies, and that means that Welsh and Jens will have to uh, step up. See, see, also just fascinating to see Joe Hart slot into a back three on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was. I mean, how, like I mean I, I've never seen him quite so high, but there was there was that moment, wasn't there, when uh, I think Carter Vickers was under pressure from Pukki, uh, yeah. just in the Celtic Cup. And you think if Carter Vickers makes a mess of that, then uh, yeah, I mean, blimey, the easiest goal Pukki would have would have ever scored. <laughs> Um, just on Julian to finish up on him, guys. I feel I feel a bit bad for Julian because, I, like you say, Chris, I get that it just looks like a case of he's not for Ange, but he's never. I don't think he started a competitive game under Ange. It's still taking, and like you say, you know, games against Lazio, the winner against Rangers in the cup final. Julian was a big player under Neil Lennon. You have to remember yeah. one thing, Daniel. You have to remember one thing about this. Ange Postecoglou sees them every day and he yeah. judges them every day. Yeah. He, he, he made an interesting point after the game on Saturday. Someone asked him about the build-up and the games and such, such. And he kind of he kind of made reference to the fact that it's not just the matches; it's every day. It's what I see every day mm-hmm. that we're building every day, not just the games you see us in public. We're building every day, and he and he puts great store in that. Now I don't see the training sessions every day. None of us do. He does. There's obviously a reason why he hadn't had chances. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 yeah, and and also you. Look, I'm no, uh, as you guys know, I'm no body language expert. But you, you know, you look at Christopher Julian's body language, the way he's sort of moping around with his hood up before games, and then to the, you know, he he's a goner, isn't he? And the Schalke thing fell through, and I think there was talk about him going to Travis and Small. I, I think as a whole, you know, in a Celtic jersey, he's been okay. But I mean, I don't think any of us really are in a position where we. Um, you know, we're going to criticise Ange Postecoglou for his decision on a player uh, and his uh, and his view on players because his record in the transfer market has been pretty remarkable. Mm-hmm. I mean, the test now really is, you know, it, and, and it's more difficult this summer because he's had, had so much success in the transfer market that he needs to go again and improve the team. I mean, Tom Rogic, I, I still think he's a, you know, a huge loss to Celtic and, and O'Reilly's really got to step up and O'Reilly showed great promise um, yeah. last season when he came in and hit the ground running. I've got to say, I thought Hatati at the weekend against Norwich City was breathtaking, really breathtaking. And that's, uh, that's hugely encouraging. 
and you look sort of further forward, the competition for places uh, in, in those forward areas. I, I, I like, uh, you know, he always finds a way of getting Maida into the team. And I, I understand that. But, you know, I suppose there is an argument to say, I don't know what you guys think, but Jota off the right, uh, you know, I know he played there a few times last season. Is he as effective? I don't think so. And that, you know, that may end up being a bit of a conundrum for... Uh, I, I think for, Jota uh, off the left and, and Lee Labada off the right. I mean, Lee Labada's figures last year were incredible for a 19-year-old. I know he turned 20. But, but, he, um, but he plays Maida, doesn't he? Uh, he does. Johnny. He likes to play Maida. And you can understand yeah. why, because it was something one, one of the other coaches said to me um, after one of the games, or well, just blather and away, after one of the games, and he said he sets the tempo for the rest of the team. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he just he gets them, you know, that type of thing that Callum McGregor does, but he starts it, he just, no one gets a minute's peace. Yeah. When he, when, he, when he's playing, it was, you know, it was fascinating. I think um, we talked about it in the podcast at the time, Chris, and the, I think it was, was it the, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I'm pretty sure on the semi-final against Rangers that Celtic lost, made a played through the middle mm-hmm. and was just hassling people constantly. People couldn't get time on the ball. Goldson and that Connor Goldson couldn't get time on the ball. Kyogo came on, made a shifted it to the left, and within five minutes, Connor Goldson was able to stroll it from the back and ping a pass fifty yards to Tavernier for Rangers to equalise. Mm-hmm. And that's the type of unseen things that Maida brings. And I think Poster Coglu likes that. You can totally understand it. Yeah, then he. I mean, you know, one of Norwich's sort of, say prominent players last season, but Max Aaron's, you know, had a. Had an indifferent season, but at the weekend, I mean, Maida matched him on that. You know, he's, he he was, you know, Norwich's threat off that right-hand side. Maida matched him really well. I, I, I You know, the, the conundrum, as I said, is keeping all the players happy. And that that's not going to be easy. But go back 12, 13 months and you think, blimey, you know, this was a side on its knees. There wasn't competition for places. Yeah. There was a lot of complacency at the club. And now, you know, it's it, you know, it's a it's a good position in many ways. Postecoglou's in, but you know, you know, there, Chris, there are five you know, subs this season, aren't there? Yeah, there are five subs this yeah. season. And yeah. you know, I suspect, and you know, I I don't know this, but I suspect that uh, that in the early part of the season, especially that Ange Postecoglou might be, you know, big on the changes, and uh, uh, you know, until uh, uh, until I mean, I don't know whether he knows his first eleven. Because because of the competition in, in, in certain areas, I say his first eleven, his best eleven in his mind, because you know, I think we could have a you know a good debate and a good argument about who the strongest front three is at the club, because they all have very, very different attributes. Uh, you know, whether it's Jack or Mac, as you mentioned, Abada, Abada's numbers, uh, you know, were incredible last season. And he yeah. you know, he's always very direct. Um, when he comes on and you've got the job to debate, is he better off the left? Is he better off the right? Well, clearly he's better off the left. And But how can you leave Maida out of the team? And uh, in fairness, at the weekend, huge fan of Kyogo. But when Giacomacchus came on, Celtic seemed to have more clout. Now, Norwich may have been tiring then. But how can you leave uh, Kyogo out of the team? I, I just wonder, I just wonder whether this season... Kyogo may be used at times in a, you know, as, as, as one of those two at the top of the midfield to allow Jack, Jack Amakis to, uh, to start as a number nine, something which, you know, position where Kyogo played in, in Japan. Mm, interesting. Um, I mean, we've talked, guys, a lot about the, the incomings, but still plenty of time left in the, in the transfer window. Where else in the squad needs to still be strengthened? I mean, there's been lots of links with... Um, Various holding midfield players. I mean, is that an area that you think still needs to kind of be bolstered? 
was that not what Aaron Moy was was brought in to do? I know he can play as a six or an eight, but I suspect you know it was Aaron Moy's thirty-one years old now. Uh, you know him coming in, a player who Ange Postecoglou knows very well. I you know I, I suspect that's what he was uh, brought in for. Uh, you know, I just it, it the the issue is you have to get better in than what you've got. And as I say, the I don't think anybody could replace Tom Rogic. For what he actually brought to the table at Celtic, and I think um, I think Matt O'Reilly, uh, you know, he's he, he still needs to step up uh, another level. But I thought his performances, the confidence which he showed last season, and this is a guy who wants to go to the World Cup uh, with Denmark. So it's you know it's a, it's a big few months uh, for him. I thought he was he was quiet at the weekend, but he's a uh, you know, he's a really talented footballer, but and it, it looks like at the start of the season, I don't know what you guys think, but the first game coming up, it looks like it'll be the same starting. I, I think it'll be the same starting eleven which started uh, against uh, Norwich City. Obviously, Welsh because Starfelt isn't uh, isn't fit. Bernabe is probably not quite adjusted uh, uh, enough at this particular time. Uh, but it looks like in midfield, O'Reilly is going to be O'Reilly and uh, Hatati at the you know at the top of the midfield. And, uh, and and the likes of Turnbull have, have got work to do to, to oust those two. And I think it's a good point you make, Chris, as well, in terms of how do you improve it. You may now be reaching a stage where I think everybody looks at the Celtic squad, looks at the Champions League games and thinks, well, maybe a little bit more solidity in the midfield to protect the, the defenders would be best. But you're now moving into the realms where you're literally signing guys for six games. Mm. You know, signing, you know, if you look at the Celtic squad just now, is that is that squad strong enough and good enough to win the Premier League? You would say yes, because well, the guts of it won the Premier League already, and it's been added to. I take the point that a top class holding midfield player for the big Champions League games would be excellent. I think everyone would agree on that. But what do they cost? Mm-hmm. Where do you start on the numbers for getting a Champions League standard player like that? And then if he's just a breaker of play listen that's probably a bad example Ange Postecoglou wouldn't just sign a breaker of play but someone who could play as well so that takes the number up but again in the Premier League you're not going to play with two holding players no uh, no uh, no I think that's, that, that's totally right so you're, you're, well you're right in terms you're kind of, of you're kind of signing a guy maybe for six games and then yeah, yeah may, may, maybe come Ange Postecoglou has said the club will remain active and alert or agile one of those Two words, three words, it starts with You said that anyway. <laughs> um, and they will until it gets to the end of, of August. If something comes up and it's available, I'm sure they'll, they'll look at it. My punch would be, we know how it works with the English market, the European market. You get to the last week and people start moving around. There's a bit of a merry-go-round. Clubs start to know who's surplus to requirements. If one or two gems become available, then to get on, on loan maybe. Yeah. Then, you know, if there's one that they could get on, on loan, that might be ideal, but I think you're talking about spending an awful lot of money. And let's not forget, people tend to, unfairly on Celtic, they don't really count the transfer fees that have been paid for Carter Vickers and Jota because they were already there as new signings. Celtic have spent a fortune this summer. And to to go and then spend another load on a top-class holding midfield player, I would suggest is a big ask. I think trying to maybe shop around and Maybe get a, a gem or something on loan if it comes up, but I don't think it's a necessity. I don't think they need to be going and trying to buy some for the Champions no. League. I think that's no. just. I think that's running before you walk. Get in and try and bed yourself in and see how you go in the Champions League this season and concentrate on on winning the league and then maybe take the next step the next year. But one step at a time. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just while we're, we're on pre, uh, talking about pre-season, Chris, social media informed me that it's 19 years ago to the day that you were on um, on tour with Celtic in America and you scored the winner against Boca Juniors in one of these pre-season cups. Um, yeah, brilliant goal. I mean, thanks, for, <laughs> thanks for bringing that up. Um, finish. Did Carlos, you... uh, what's his name? Carlos Tevez was playing for Boca Juniors. Ah, right, okay. Yeah, yeah, he, no one remembers he, that. Sorry, they just remember think, you were playing for Celtic. I think, uh, I don't know whether Henrik was playing up front, but I remember Carlos running over to me at the end of the game and saying, I, I want your jersey, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, didn't go for Henrik. That's a lie. Well, I got Tevez a shirt. <laughs> Did you? you Were you once for collecting shirts, Chris? Have you got a big collection in the house? Or? Uh, it's none of your business, Danny. <laughs> uh, I've got one or two. Yeah. yeah. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> They sponsored by Topshop. <laughs> did you did you did you generally enjoy the the preseason tours? Like I imagine Martin O'Neill's preseason training would have been pretty pretty strenuous. Yeah, uh, no, I used to like preseason. I used to um, you know get fit on the family holiday. There's only so much I, so much time I could spend with my wife and kids. So I used to make sure I was fit and ready to go. And you know I was a bit older when I went to Celtic. So uh, you know need to condition yourself properly uh, and the older I got in my career that you know the more important I, I felt that it was uh, but I, no, I used to used to love the pre-season uh, games we used to go down to England and uh, and thump Fulham and, and QPR sort of regularly then fly out to America and I used to used to used to really enjoy the tours visiting different American cities I think you know you mentioned the game against Boca Juniors I think that was in Cleveland we used to play in the big stadium Seattle we played in the Seahawks stadium I think against Manchester United maybe Chelsea as well Philadelphia really really good trips and look I mean <laughs> depends which way you want to look at results uh, are results important in pre-season I, I personally I've never really cared about results I think it's about building a bit of continuity and a rhythm within the team and, and, and getting your fitness levels up. Results don't do you any harm when you take a, a big scalp. Uh, you know, I think we, we went down to Manchester United and beat them 4-3 and, you know, in their own patch, which was, uh, you know, the, sort of quite a lively game that was. Uh, and then I think a week later we went and, uh, and beat Ajax in the Champions League qualifier. Maybe that result gave us a bit of confidence, but we'd won the treble the previous season and we knew we were, uh, you know, a, a capable team. But it's all about uh, all about being ready. And, you know, I, I think if, you know, if you're Arsene Postacoglu, you know, beat Norwich City, deservedly so well at the weekend, but the focus is all on Aberdeen, getting off to a good start. Uh, and carrying on the momentum from last season because we can't forget Celtic start last season uh, and that's that's not on the manager um, that just showed the difficulty and the pressure he was under coming in and um, you know nightmare squad having to change things bring players in uh, you know Swanee mentioned uh, Carl Starfelt remember Kyogo coming on mm -hmm. at Hearts uh, you know in the first just off a flight thrown into the game uh, and then that that incredible run the team went on, but I actually I feel sorry for the manager and and the players and the coaching staff because that's always been the same, hasn't it? But you know, against against the odds, he comes in, has, makes a massive impact, ticks a lot of boxes. Uh, you know, winning the league, 
uh, Rangers winning at 25 points the previous season. Brand of football, ticking that box, you know, almost immediately, certainly getting there at the end of the season. Celtic are, you know, really, really good team to watch. And yet they only get a couple of weeks to celebrate. And then, you know, you're, you're back in and it, it counts for nothing. Celtic, Celtic lose against Aberdeen on the first day. Uh, of the season, the pressure's on again, and that's you know that's the that's the madness of uh, of football north of the border, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny as we go into the first game of the season um, at the weekend. This might seem like a bit of an obvious question, but but what are Celtic's aims um, ahead of the new campaign? I mean, obviously, is it fair enough to say they're definitely the favourites to win the Premiership? I don't think they're definitely favourites. Um... You would probably give you think, them. Well, you think Rangers are favourites? No, finish this. I think I think I would slightly edge Celtic as favourites. I think they are favourites because they've they've won it, but they're not definite favourites. I think Rangers were strong last season. Celtic were strong, two strong teams, as Chris alluded to many times. So Rangers have made running. a lot of Rangers have made a lot of good moves in the in the market by the look of it. The same as Celtic have. They're going to be they're both going to be strong again. I think Celtic are marginal favourites. If I was what's, bet, if what's I was, marginal? What you 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 know you're good with your betting, Swanee. What what what's if I, marginal? If I, if, if I was lay, if I was laying it, I would lay four to five Celtic evens Rangers. That's hmm. how I would lay it because oh, it's always tight. Yeah, but it's always tight at the top because well, let's face it, you can get any price you want, but the other ten. What so, price would you have given Celtic last season? Last season, last season Celtic would have been three to one seventy two chances. I would have thought. And it would have taken a brave man to have a few quid on, I think. Judging by the state of the place last year, let's be honest, it was very. I think you were one of the very few people who gave them a chance, Chris. Um, and to give you credit, you, you didn't. Say well, I did, you, yeah. would, you didn't say that they would win it, but you said it could happen. <laughs> it can change. You, he did, are you, are you saying I was non-committal? <laughs> uh, you were, yeah. You said people shouldn't expect it, but it could. And you were right. Yeah, that's a cop out, isn't it? And well, no, really, I'm trying to give you some credit here, and you don't appear to want it. Um, no. <laughs> for some reason, you're usually happy to take it. Um, I don't know. Celtic, Celtic, Celtic are slight favourites for me, but I don't think anybody can say they're definitive cast iron certainties mm-hmm. to win the league again. I don't think that's. And, and if you're asking me what the aim is, Daniel, to me that's number one at the start of every season. I don't know how Chris and that felt when. When those boys were going into Champions League match and that the, the the league is everything. You got got to win the league. That's what it's all about. Of course, mm. Europe is a huge thing for Celtic, and to try and make some sort of ripple in the Champions League would be fantastic. And by by when I say by making a ripple, I mean just getting in there, being competitive. Great yeah. nights at Celtic Park. Maybe get a win, a couple of wins. That'd be fantastic. But you know, people have to be realistic. That I think the pot four, whatever they get, is going to be. Very, very difficult in terms of opposition. It's going to be a new experience for a lot of the players. And Boston Coglu wants to do well. Of course he does. He wants to do well in every competition for his club and for himself because he, he wants to show up well in this competition. And he's the first Australian to be to manage in the Champions League group stages. He'll want to do well. Um, but people shouldn't expect too much in terms of that. Players should just go and try and enjoy it if they can. Get the experience from it. And it's just build on, build on, build. As Boston Cogley says, get better all the time. Always improving, getting better. Win the league again. Get your experience in the Champions League, and then go again next year. And mm. we're already looking forward to next season's preview. But I think the main aim is the league. Always has to be the league. I don't know what Chris thinks, but when you start out every season, that has to be the league. Being the champions has to be the the number one priority. I'd say. Yeah, it, it never stops. Mm-hmm. 
I definitely think that, um, as you said, <laughs> <laughs> the Champions League is... Do you mean me, Chris? Or, or, or just, no, it, yeah. never, no, it, it, it never stops. <laughs> it, never, it, it never stops. The uh, the Champions League is obviously, it is what it is, as you say, pot four, Swanee. It's, it's going to be really, really tough, whoever Celtic get. But I definitely feel, Chris, that Celtic, a club of Celtic size, they've, it's been too long since they've, they've kind of, I don't know how the right way to put this, but achieved in Europe since they did make a dent on either the Champions League or, or even the Europa League. I mean, I think I'm right in saying there's that stat that goes about that it, it's, we go all the way back to when your team put out Barcelona, Chris. That's the last, the last time Celtic won a two-legged European knockout tie. Um, and as well, I think it's five or six years since they were in the group stages. I definitely feel that Celtic need to need to make an impact this season in Europe. What, what's What's making an impact then? Well, I think it's hard to say when they don't, you know, we haven't had the draw, obviously, you know. But I think if they can come out the group stage still in Europe and then look towards a couple of knockout ties uh, after Christmas, that's got to be, for me, par for the course this season. Yeah, I think, look, I, I think I, that would be... Sorry, sorry Chris, but you say that's par. I would say that's probably a body. I think so. Yeah, if you're a pop four team and you manage to get into third, I mean, listen, we don't know the draw, but again, I mean, d- d- listen, Rangers showed what was possible last year in the Europa League. In the Europa League, the Champions League is, is, is different entirely in terms of of levels and standard and quality. Um, if Celtic could get third in the group, it would be terrific. I don't think it would just be seen as par golf. I think that would be a pretty good effort. To get in the Europa League, and then and then you, and then you're fair enough, Daniel. Once they if they got into the knockout of the Europa League, then yeah, they have to do better than than what they did in two ties against Bordeaux Glimpse when they lost five goals in the Conference League. That's yeah, I think that was particularly acceptable. Even though I think most of us would agree after the first leg that tie had gone and the team selection and Bordeaux that's for the second leg would suggest the eyes had turned to the league. Although Ange Postecoglou would say differently. I, I think performances are right. So, so yeah, I, I don't want to sort of be misquoted on this, but I think that uh, that what Ange Postecoglou will be looking for is to give one or two teams a bloody nose this season. Uh, and you know, he's he, you know, all he all he talks about is process and performance. And you know, watching Celtic at the weekend dominate the ball. Uh, you know, maybe the final third. There's a criticism that uh, you know didn't create enough. But you know, the speed of passing and and uh, the way they dominate the ball. I think that Ange Postecoglou will want to do that. Um, you know, in the Champions League. And I think that uh, you know, you mentioned last season, and I I don't think necessarily it's fair to 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 judge Celtic as a team in Europe last season because the onus was was. You know, all about the league. It's a di- you know disappointing in Europe. You can't get away from that fact. But because of what happened the previous season with the riches of the Champions League uh, this season, it, you know it was all about the league. And this season, people will be, uh, you know, uh, scrutinising uh, Celtic and and you know can they compete? We saw what happened with Brendan Rodgers and with his philosophy and uh, with his positivity going into Europe and and getting absolutely smashed. Uh, and walloped. I suspect that um, that you know that there'll be games in uh, in Europe, and you know whoever Celtic get, where Celtic will play with a a, a bit more balance 
um, and and maybe not so gung ho, uh, you know, as they are in uh, in domestic competitions. And Postecoglou isn't, you know, is you know isn't daft, and he'll realise the the level of teams. But I think he will have the same sort of principles in many respects in terms of dominating the ball, being brave on the ball, and giving one or two uh, a bloody nose. And I do think Celtic are capable of that. Um, where I think um, it's not a concern necessarily for pre-season because how much you you know you, you want to read into pre-season I, I I still worry about Celtic defensively and the brand of football and the, and the you know maybe the centre halves being exposed because the spaces you know when you go up a level uh, and, and Celtic you know are going up a level uh, in in Champions League football the spaces you know you find are, uh, are, are too big against the best teams and you can be exploited and that would um, be the worry but I'm sure Andrew Postecoglou you know has a plan for that but in general his principle of dominating the ball and and giving uh, you know some big teams a, a bloody nose is you know is is I think what Celtic will be uh, will be looking to do and the the first the first game first two games uh, in the Champions League are absolutely crucial. Because if Celtic can get something out of the, you know, whoever they play, one of the first uh, couple of games, there'll be a bit of hope. If you, I, I can't remember what happened last time in the Champions League, but I think it was uh, thoroughly depressing, wasn't it? I think they'd lost the first, first three games. Was it Anderlecht? Uh, yeah, Bayern and then Bayern Munich and Anderlecht, and uh, and then you're thinking, blimey, you know, this is a, uh, you know, it's 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 not going to happen. It was thoroughly depressing, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. Did they not win the second game? They, they won in Anderlecht, didn't they? But yeah, I think because Anderlecht came and won at Celtic Park and I think the final yeah. group game. Yes, oh, they, right, yeah. uh, but Celtic got through because they had a better head-to-head. But I think they lost the first game at home at Paris Saint-Germain quite heavily, if I can remember correctly, and then went to Brussels and right, okay. destroyed Anderlecht. So, yeah, and that's right, Chris, that did raise a bit of hope in, in, that, in that section. It did because when I because I remember the Bayern Munich game, right? The Bayern Munich game at Celtic Park, Celtic all equalising. Yeah. Late in the day, and it was one each, and they were banging the game, and then lost a late goal. So, uh, yeah, it does give some hope. By the way, Chris, you never answered the question about the favourites for the title. <laughs> what was the question again? Oh, are Celtic clear favourites for the title this year? Well, how do you define clear? Well, I don't know. You got me to price it up a minute ago. Uh, that wasn't clear, was it? How do you think the title race is fixed this year, then, Chris? I think that uh, your money beyond to win the after title last then? season, Celtic being seven to two. Um, you know, as you as you said, uh, this season. <laughs> That's why I'm not a bookie. That's yeah. why I drive around the Ford Fiesta, not a Jag. Uh, yes, I mean, look, <laughs> I, I think you'd. Uh, I like, I, you know, I like Van Bronckhurst and what he's done. At, you know, at Rangers getting to a major European final. Uh, was a big deal, but I think most Celtic fans would look at it like this: that uh, that the team improved no end last season under Ange Postecoglou, and I think Ange Postecoglou, you know, is quoted in you know saying that that you know there's there's so much more which he wants to come and believes will come. So you know, he made a huge impact on the uh, on the training ground uh, last season, and I think Celtic will you know really double down this season and. Uh, I think it'll be close, but I think Celtic will win it. So you, so you agree with me then? Celtic will edge it. Just, uh, just edge it. Yeah, four to five. So Celtic, they, they, they won, won the they won you've, it got by, a, you've got a limit, twenty pound. <laughs> they won it by four points last season, and I'm going to go out on a limb. I think they won it by more points this season. Mm, it's not really going out on a limb, is it? 
<laughs> just because. <laughs> win it by five. If they win it by five, if they win it by five points, is that you going out on a limb? <laughs> just give them a. If you're dragging this podcast out next year, Daniel, why <laughs> don't you say? Why don't, you if so you much. say if you say twenty-five points, then that's that's brave. You could push me to out on a limb. six or seven. Six or seven points. I think it'll be comfortable this season for Celtic. Six, six mm. or seven. <laughs> Uh, before we finish, guys, uh, I like putting you both in the spot. So, predictions for the weekend, Swanee, what do you think? I think it's a terrific game for Celtic to start with. Um, Jim obviously had a lot of questions to answer, or will have a lot of questions to answer this season after it's a difficult time for him when he went in. But everyone said you shouldn't be judged on any of that. He was trying to get things sorted out, move players on, have a look at the guys that were there. You couldn't judge him. He got his own team in place. They've certainly started well. Um, I know the Premier Sports Cup, if you listen to Hibernian and St Marin managers, uh, is not worth anything at this stage of the season. But Aberdeen have certainly, Aberdeen have certainly uh, posted their intentions with their performances in it. So they're coming in in good form. Um, you would expect Celtic to, to, to put a marker down early doors. Score and, prediction. School prediction. I think Celtic will probably win three 0 or three one. I knew knew you were going to say that. Why? <laughs> Why did you know I was going to say that? Because I was giving Aberdeen a big build up. No, no, I knew you were going to say three. I th- in fairness, I say I knew you were going to say that. I thought you were going to go really safe and say two 0 uh, See, I went you out on a limb. I went out on a limb. I went out on a limb. I went to three instead of two. Yeah. yeah. I take the Daniel Core approach. <laughs> gone, gone, gung ho, and style. <laughs> Chris, what's your prediction? Three uh, nil or three <laughs> one. Well, uh, no, I, I, do, do you know what I think that? Um, I think it's you know I think it's so crucial uh, the first game lay down a marker. I think the first you know bottom line is with Celtic if Aberdeen hang hang on in there for the first half an hour then they'll you know they'll probably think they have a chance but Celtic come out of the traps so, you know that's what they do uh, if they get a couple of early goals it could be anything but. Uh, you know, I think Aberdeen will be better organised this year uh, under Jim Goodwin, um, and uh, so. But I still think Celtic will will edge it because of the bench. You know, five subs. It is five subs this season, isn't it? And 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 the fact that uh, that Celtic have the you know the firepower on the bench and people you know must you know the players who who don't start the game, the likes of Jack Amakis. If it, who would you start up front? Who would you start up front? Do you, do you know what? Well, I think he'll start with the same eleven uh, as he started against um, Norwich City. I do. Um, but what would you start with? What would? Uh, what would I start with? I prefer Jotter off the left hand side, but then you know, I don't think Maida is as effective through the middle. So, I'd yeah, I'd probably, I'm happy to go with the same forward line as a uh, as as last week, and then but you know the beauty of Celtic this season is the bench and uh, the bench being strong. I think it's really one to watch this season the way that uh, Ange Postecoglou, you know, rotates uh, the players and how he gives them a run of games and you know, uh, you know, uh, as a as a former player, as the only former player on this pod, you know, you want you want to have a run of games and get a rhythm. <laughs> And consistency, so it's not easy for the manager to to keep everybody happy. So, so, so that balance of how he does it, I think, is going to be you know really fascinating this season. How many appearances did you make for Celtic, Chris? I, I, I don't know. It's such a long time ago. Oh, okay. 
he's, all, he's obviously never seen us play Swanee, seeing he's the only player in this pod. No, no, probably hasn't. Probably has, that's why. haven't had the pleasure. We've got no England caps between us, so that's not bad. <laughs> but uh, I've, I've never really watched pub football. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you did get some of us out the pub to play. <laughs> Um, guys, I could, we could sit, we could, you know, you know how much I love talking to you both. I could sit here all day going over um, some of our previews, but I think that brings us to the end of today's Record Celtic podcast. Should say for everyone listening, you can find us at Record Sport on Facebook and Twitter as well as Instagram. Um, Swanee, Chris, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Danny. Thanks, Thanks, All the best. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll be back next week. Cheers. <laughs>